The Athletic. Hi folks, welcome to a new episode of the 59th Minute FPL podcast, which is brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Mark McGettigan, you can find me on Twitter at FPL General. Game Week 21 is behind us and it's another short turnaround this week with the next deadline on Tuesday at 4.30pm UK time, so make sure you don't miss it. Pep Guardiola was up to his old tricks in Game Week 21, benching popular assets John Stones, Joe Concello and Raheem Sterling, while Bukayo Saka and Sadio Mane missed out due to injury which resulted in plenty of bench players becoming active and vice-captains coming into play. Some of the main headlines, Callum Wilson scored his ninth and 10th goals of the season as Newcastle downed a disappointing Everton. Eberechi Etze was the match winner for Crystal Palace against Wolves. Mateus Pereira got his fourth goal in as many games for West Brom. Ross Barkley and Jack Grealish combined for the only goal of the game at Southampton and it was a 10th clean sheet for Emi Martinez in that one. What a goalkeeper he has been this season. Thomas Tuchel rotated his 11 again as expected. There was no starts for Rhys James, Ben Chilwell, Ziyech or Havert so Chelsea feels like a bit of a stay away in FPL at the moment. Patrick Bamford, you can probably hear the pain and sadness in my voice as I read out his name, punished the sellers with a goal and two assists against Leicester. Ouch. Mo Salah was back with a bang, scoring a brilliant brace against West Ham, and a caneless Tottenham lost 1-0 to Brighton, Trossard with the goal in that one. If you're not yet subscribed to The Athletic, follow this link, theathletic.com forward slash FPLpod, to get the special offer rate of £3.99 a month. You'll get ad-free versions of this podcast on the Athletic app. No new members to the 59th Minute Club this week, so just a few notable mentions. Jamal Lascelles at Newcastle picked up a yellow card, managed just 53 minutes for a zero-pointer, so just missed out on the clean sheets there by about seven or eight minutes. Gareth Bale just about made it to 60 for Spurs. Diallo at Southampton, 58. A couple of players... Got 61 minutes, Pablo Fornals at West Ham, Chris Woods, who seems to have picked up an injury, and Rian Brewster at Sheffield United, and Martial as well, just 53 minutes, so he is not really an FPL option at the moment, he's having a pretty disappointing season. A quick review of Game Week 21, how did it go for me? I took a minus 4 going into the game week, I got rid of Anguissa and Bamford. I brought in Grealish, who I captained, and I brought in Calvert-Lewin as well. Now, why did I do those moves? I was on on Friday, I was sitting thinking, you know, do I want DCL in for Bamford, or do I just get Grealish in for Anguissa? And in the end, I couldn't really decide which way I wanted to go. So I said, you know what, I'll just get both players for a minus four. Bamford hasn't scored in four games. He was taken off after 59 minutes in the last game, so it feels like an okay time to let him go. And the fixtures weren't great coming up either. And we all know what happens next. Everton, very, very disappointing against Newcastle. Calvert-Lewin didn't do anything. And Bamford goes and has probably his best game week of the season, I would imagine. I'm not going to go back and look through it because I don't want to look at his profile. So in hindsight, I've been reflecting on these transfers and, and maybe it was a mistake. If I go back to my principles... Um, you know, my golden rules from the start of the season, you know, it's it's stay loyal to players long term. It's don't take unnecessary point sets. And I think this is the big one. I should have probably just focused on my weakest link. I should have just got rid of Anguissa uh, and brought in Grealish. And then I should have probably just left Bamford 
you know, even though I wasn't feeling great about him. It was a minus four, you know, minus four from Bamford to DCL. It's it's one of those that can backfire because you're selling a player who is capable of getting goals. So, you know, if, if Bamford even just gets one goal in that game, if you add in the minus four, Calvert-Lewin has to do an awful lot to, to outscore him. Now, I didn't bring in Calvert-Lewin just for one game week. I brought him in for Newcastle and Leeds. So... There is questions about Bamford later. You know, do we just reverse it, go straight back to to uh, to Bamford? But I don't think I'd be doing that because I brought in Calvert Lewin with these two fixtures in mind, not just one. So I think I'll keep Calvert Lewin for the Leeds game, and hopefully he can make up some of that ground that I lost by making those transfers. So I think there's probably a lesson there for myself and maybe for others as well. You know, unnecessary point sets. Those are the kind of point sets that can backfire when you're selling a good asset for another asset that you think is going to be good you know it's it's much better to do those transfers for free so overall 52 points minus four i finished on 48 so it was the first red arrow for a while i went from 1.6k to 3.8k now to me it feels awful but i need to have a bit of perspective here take a step back 3.8k you know is, is still a fantastic rank so i'm really it's natural, no matter where you are in the rankings, it's natural to feel pretty bad when you more than double your rank. But it's very important for me to, to, like I said, perspective, take a step back, don't panic, don't overreact to one bad game week. You know, and I might even end up banking a transfer this week. So, you know, it's it's like life, bad things happen, but it's how you deal with them is, is the most important thing. So if you've had a bad game week like me, don't panic. You know, the good thing is we've got a game week this week, so we don't have to dwell on things for too long, thankfully, because otherwise it would have been a very, very long week. The good and the bad, not much good this week. Diaz, eight-pointer, great asset to own this season. Good to see Salah back amongst the goals, got me 15 Obviously, wish I captained him, but didn't really give him much consideration, really. He was my vice-captain, but I just felt it was a week for captaincy that was pretty wide open, and there was an opportunity there to take a risk that shouldn't punish too much. So I went for Grealish in the end. He didn't blank, but, I mean, it wasn't great, just an assist. But I always say, you know, especially with captain, you know, an assist is so much better than a blank. The bads, everyone else, Johnston, Justin. So I got Justin off the bench for Cancelo. So disappointing that he didn't do anything. Robertson is becoming quite frustrating. That late goal was a sucker punch. Um, you know, even more so for those of you who have double Liverpool defence. Bruno Fernandes, disappointing recently as well. He's been pretty quiet. Gundogan, nothing. And the three strikers, Ollie Watkins, Calvert-Lewin and Antonio. Zero goals from all of them. I think a lot of people were in the same boat this week. The strikers didn't do very much. So overall... Not a good game week, but looking at my team on paper for midweek, I'm pretty happy with it. And it's one of those things, I get the feeling that that team didn't do much for me at the weekend. But I could roll out the exact same team this week and they could easily score 70, 80 points. So hopefully that is the case. Watchlist update. I've removed five players. A lot of these are due to rotation risk. So Ben Chilwell is gone because Alonso started and got himself on the score sheet. So Alonso did himself no harm with that performance. And I just feel, yes, Chilwell, we know Chilwell is, is, a, is a much better defender than Alonso. But I think what we've seen in that game, particularly the goal, if you haven't seen it, you know the way Alonso takes it down on his knee and then finish it on the half volley, to me that's a goal that Chilwell probably doesn't score. So Alonso, I think, offers something different for Tuchel in attack. So I think there will be rotation there between those two. So Chilwell, that kills him as an option for me. Likewise at Chelsea Havertz, you know, I added him to the watch list last week after he got 90 minutes. 
but I've removed him this week because he didn't start. So yeah, like I said, Chelsea, you know, Rudiger looks okay, the goalkeeper, you know, apart from that, you know, I think Jorginho might have started both games, but probably not an option unless he's on penalties. So for me, I think I'll be staying away from Chelsea for another couple of weeks until we see some kind of settled team there, if we ever do, because rotation just could be from there. We could just have to put up with rotation from now on at Chelsea, much like Manchester City. Other players removed Mitchell at Palace because Van Aanholt came in. So again, those two probably going to share game time. John Stones is gone. Rotation risk also because I've already got three Manchester City players anyway. And Rashford, just United haven't been great in the last couple of games. I just think Rashford's too expensive for what he offers at the moment. I own Bruno, so I'm very unlikely to double up on the Manchester United midfield. Players added to the watch list. I usually don't keep goalkeepers on my watch list, but Martinez, I've added him today because I may bring him in this week. You know, I've said previously I, I want to get Martinez back in at some point. Johnston and Melier are, they're not great picks. So looking at my team for this week, even though Johnston plays Sheffield United, he still feels like the weak link in my team, even though there's probably a decent chance of a clean sheet there. But something I noted uh, in the match of the day highlights was was Sam Allardyce after the West Brom game. He really kept saying, you know, we need to score three goals in every game the way we're defending at the moment. So he doesn't have any faith in clean sheets at the moment. So I may just use this as an opportunity to get rid of Melier probably, bring in Martinez, and I'd probably just start Martinez over Johnston, even though on paper Johnston might have the better fixture. It just hurts me every time, you know. Martinez very often gets 9-10 pointers. Best goalkeeper pick in the game this season. Um, I've only owned him for probably two or three game weeks before I wildcarded. So I'd like to get him back. We know he's going to have double game weeks as well. So that's a bit of a no-brainer, I think. Fix my goalkeeper position this week when the rest of my squad looks looks absolutely fine. So Martinez is added, as is. I've gone back with my tail between my legs, clicked on Bamford's profile and added him back to the watch list. So obviously I sold him last week. I would be willing to swallow my pride and get him straight back in. But I, even though Calvert-Lewin obviously disappointed against Newcastle, I like any attacker playing against Leeds. So I'm going to give Calvert-Lewin the Leeds game. And when I brought Calvert-Lewin in anyway, I knew it was going to be... I knew there was a good chance it would be a short-term move because I'm eyeing up Danny Ings. So Calvert-Lewin could become Danny Ings, not this week, but for the weekend. And, you know, if, if I'm not feeling Ings, maybe I'll go back to Bamford at the weekend. But Calvert-Lewin will stay for me. Bamford is back in my thoughts, though. I don't care that I've lost value. I'll happily buy him back if I recognise that it might have been a mistake. Very important in FPL not to not to be stubborn. You know, we all do make mistakes and this might have been a mistake. I'm not going to say it is after just one game. Uh, let's see what Calvert-Lewin does against Leeds and what Bamford does in that game as well. But yeah, I will go back to Bamford if it feels right. And another player added, Callum Wilson. He's been on and off the watch list all season. Don't think I've owned him at any point. Just watching, watching that game back, he got two goals, but he could have had four. You know, he had some very, very good chances. He hit the post, uh, a couple of other good chances as well. And Newcastle were much improved in that game. So Wilson, one to keep an eye on. I don't think I'll buy him this week, but I'll be watching him closely again during the week to see if, if uh, watching him and Newcastle, if they can put in another decent performance and Wilson looks good again, I think he becomes a viable option again. Are you stuck at home and bored of obsessing over your FPL wildcard team? Have you finished Netflix and realised there's a reason people only play Scrabble once a year? Well, 
There's no need for total and utter despair just yet. The Athletic is coming to your rescue. With the help of our friends at Prostate Cancer UK, we will be putting on 31 football quizzes across February and March to find out who our most knowledgeable subscriber is and of course to raise for a very important cause. Prostate Cancer UK help fund life-saving research and provide valuable support and information for men and their partners affected or worried about prostate cancer. We'll be encouraging you to donate money on the night for a great cause. We'll be running a quiz for every team we cover, plus one each for the Bundesliga, Serie A and La Liga. The winners of each quiz will go through to our grand final at the end of March, where there is a very nice £1,000 up for grabs, and we will match this with a donation to Prostate Cancer UK. The quizzes will be hosted by the correspondent for that club or league, and you'll be able to team up with anyone in your household to play. If you're not already a subscriber, you can sign up for a 30-day free trial to The Athletic at theathletic.com forward slash PCUK and register to play the quiz. Moving on now to the Twitter questions. First one came in from Stephen Cross. For those of us who brought in Calvert-Lewin, do we stick or cut our losses? Everton looked so slow on the transition. So you have kind of mentioned this already. For me, Calvert-Lewin in was always a short-term transfer but it wasn't a one-week transfer so I'm not going to ship him out after one disappointing performance I'm going to give him the Leeds fixture which is as good a fixture as it comes for attackers this season because Leeds give up plenty of chances so I'm going to give him that one and then I'm going to probably let him go at the weekend for either back go back to Bamford or go for Danny Ings possibly now I wouldn't stop anyone from reversing it if you feel like you've made a mistake there and you want to get Bamford back as soon as possible don't don't wait you know you don't you don't have to wait until the weekend you can just reverse it the main thing there is make sure you're not ignoring other bigger problems in your squad let's say you've only got two or three fit defenders this weekend focus on that instead of going DCL back to Bamford if you've got no issues and you think it's the right thing to do don't be afraid to reverse the transfer but for me I think he's worth giving one more game then we can let him go because I think it's it's Leeds next for Calvert-Lewin then it's Manchester United so it feels a lot easier to get rid of him just before he plays Manchester United um, and I'm looking at Ings as well I think Ings has got Manchester United this week and then he's got Newcastle at the weekend so to me it feels like a good time to pivot from Calvert-Lewin to Ings for game week 23 question from FPL Bugle a question on managerial approach after a couple of tricky and frustrating game weeks would you agree that the wisest method for the next few weeks at least is to limit the hits keep the free transfers and stick by the picks you've made for longer. Yeah, I think not just now, but I think I would always tend to agree with that. That kind of matches up with how I play FPL. I do limit points hits. You know, I've probably taken more this season at the point of game week, you know, wherever we are, 21, than I have maybe in previous seasons. But I think this season has probably lended itself to to needing more hits or, or, you know, maybe there's more opportunities there for hits this season. But I think after getting burned by Bamford, I think it's it'll send me back, you know, back towards my usual style of avoiding the unnecessary hits, um, just using the free transfers and managing the squad well that way, focusing on the weak link most game weeks. Um, and again, by doing that, you you naturally stick by the players that you've you've, you've picked for the long term. Uh, and usually, when you when you buy a player, 
you know, you've usually bought them for a reason and you haven't bought them just for, for short term. And usually, even if they do go four or five games throughout the goal, there's a very good chance they'll come back and do well after that. We've seen it with Bamford, we've seen it with Salah as well. And I expect to see it soon with Bruno Fernandes also. So yeah, I think being as loyal to players as possible, if they're good assets who play for good teams, then you should be rewarded in the long term. So yeah, I do agree with what FPL Bugle says there. Question from Craig's On the evidence of the Brighton game, Son is looking potentially like a pretty bad asset without Kane in the team. Is it worth looking for a replacement while he's out? And if so, who? So yeah, going back to last week, my initial plan was to get Son in or Kane. But once Kane was out, I didn't like Son as much then, which is why I went for Grealish instead. And obviously that was an okay move because Grealish outscored him so far. It is just one game week. I didn't watch the Spurs game. I did watch the highlights last night. And the highlights were basically 90% Brighton having chances so that tells me Spurs were not very good yesterday so that's that is worrying for Son if I owned him again it comes down to if he if, if your squad's fine and you don't have other issues then I think you can let him go I think Son is one of those I haven't said this for a while but I think he's one of those he's fine to keep but he's also fine to sell the team may not be functioning as well without Kane but what Son is is he's a world-class player one of the best in the league and, and even if Spurs are not firing on all cylinders Son will probably still find a way to get FPL points just purely out of the quality of player that he is but yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't be scared to lose him now until until Kane comes back if I was going to lose him who would I go for Grealish probably still my preference I think Zaha is getting overlooked as well I think he hit the crossbar at the weekend he's got really really good fixture so I like Zaha possibly for a couple of weeks and then maybe you can go back to Hyungman Son then and Harvey Barnes another goal at the weekend as well so those three are probably they'd probably be my top three picks of players that are cheaper than Son Grealish one probably would put Zaha number two and then Harvey Barnes number three question from FPL Commando what to do with Chilwell I think it's an easy sell because it's like most of the Chelsea players now rotation you know, Tuchel's coming into a new job. He's going to want to see as much of every player as he can. You know, he's probably looking at 25 to 30 players there, given how, how much talent there is there at Chelsea. Uh, he's going to, we've seen it already, he's going to give players games that haven't played for a while, the likes of Alonso. So, Chilwell, is he going to start every week between now and the rest of the season? Absolutely not. And we know in FPL we should, it's best to avoid rotation risk players you don't want to be sweating over the Chelsea team sheet so I would I would let Chilwell go and just get a player who who you know is going to play every week you know you could you could even use it as an opportunity maybe to free up some cash if you want to do something elsewhere although cash is not really an issue at the moment but yeah if I own Chilwell if I own James if I own Werner any of them really maybe apart from Rudiger or the goalkeeper I would probably be looking to let go now and get a more regular starter. Question from Max. What do we do with Stones and Cancelo now that Pep is playing roulette with his defence? Yeah, very, very annoying that he's making a lot of changes there. It's not just one defender he's moving around, but to see both of them benched was very surprising. Laporte came in first start for quite a while. We know Laporte is a top-class defender. So with Champions League around the corner as well, we could see more rotation from Pep Guardiola, not just in attack, but in his defence. Now, what would I do if I owned Stones and Cancelo? I would do absolutely nothing. I would keep them. 
and I would start them both this week because the way I look at that is they've they've had a rest, so they should come straight back in to the starting eleven now for the next one. So it's not a problem for this coming game week, but it could become an issue in future game weeks. Cancelo in particular, though, I think is worth keeping. I don't really care as an owner how many starts he gets and how many he doesn't because I think when he does start, he can get 15 points in any given game week. So hopefully, like at the weekend, when he doesn't start, hopefully more often than not, he he won't get any minutes and we can get a sub off the bench. And I mean, Cancelo, he's the kind of player, when he comes on for 20 minutes anyway, if he's playing in midfield, he can, he can get something against tired defences, you know. He could pick up four or five points towards the end of the game anyway off the bench. So I'm not really worried about Cancelo, even though it is a bit frustrating. Stones I would probably be a little bit more worried about, but I wouldn't sell him yet. I would keep him this week, start him, and then reassess things. You know, let's see who starts at centre-back um, during the week. Question from Pete the Tweet. What advice would you give to managers who might be finding it difficult to hit their stride at the moment? Yeah, there's. I'm sure there's plenty of people um, in the same boat, you know, you're you're making all the right decisions, you're making logical captaincy picks, and the unpredictability of this game is making it difficult to kind of kickstart your season and start pushing on. What I would say is just keep the faith. Don't start overthinking. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep making logical transfers. Keep improving your squad. Improving the weakest link. Keep making logical captaincy decisions. And it will turn. If you if you continue to make the best informed decisions, your luck will turn. And it only takes three or four game weeks to really shoot up the rankings. I've seen quite a few people I've been talking to in the last couple of days. Well, I think they wildcarded around game week 18. And over the last four or five game weeks, they've gone from 1 million up to maybe 150,000. So it just shows you how quickly things can change. Um, but the key is not to, get, not to get frustrated, not to get downbeat, just... Keep plodding along and it will change. Next one is from Blahavis91. If you have two free transfers and a good team, how do you avoid weakening the squad? So this happens to all of us at certain points of the season. We have 15 players that we're happy with. We're very, very happy with our squad. We don't want to make any changes. We've got two free transfers, so we feel like we need to use at least one in order that it's not wasted. But I always say to people, you know, you don't have to use a transfer if you have two frees just for the sake of using it. If you are completely happy with your squad and there's no improvements you can make, now it's quite unlikely. Usually there's something you can do, even if it's improving maybe a second goalkeeper or let's say your third sub. Let's say you've got a strong bench and your third sub, you think you can weaken it to free up a little bit of cash. But again, we all have a lot of cash at the moment. So this is why people probably are very happy with their 15. My example, I probably would have been in this case this week if I didn't hate my goalkeepers. If I had, let's say I had Martinez already and just a, a 4 million goalkeeper on the bench, I would have, and if I had two free transfers, I would just do nothing. You know, don't make a transfer just for the sake of it. Just let the transfer go if you're 100% happy with your squad because quite often you can make the transfer just for the sake of it that transfer does actually weaken your squad and then you'll regret it. You'll think, right, I should have just done nothing. Um, I would have been better off. And we see it all the time in FPL. You know, quite often doing nothing actually works out to be the best thing. Going back to my example this week, should have just kept Bamford and I would have been a lot better off for it. So yeah, don't be afraid to burn a transfer when your squad is exactly how you want it to be, all 15 players. Next one from Mark Cram. With Pereira on such fine form, 
should we start to consider him as an option? Yeah, he's he's kind of he's kind of hard to ignore at the moment. Pereira at West Brom, I think it's four goals in his last four. There's a couple of assists in there as well. We think he's on penalties for the baggies as well. When it comes down to it, though, quite simply, do I want to own a West Brom player? And the answer is no. Uh, you know, I've got Johnson in goal. Hopefully, he'll become my sub goalkeeper soon when I when I bring Martinez back in. But I just don't have much faith in West Brom. And even though Pereira's been doing really well, I'm not really hot on him at the moment. He's not on the watch list. But again, maybe if you're someone who's playing five in midfield and you've got a price point around that, he's about probably 5.6, 5.7 million, then he's probably got to be considered with the other people around that. And maybe if you're chasing and you're looking for a differential, someone like Pereira could be worth a shout. But do I have faith in him to continue scoring at the rate he's scoring? I don't. And it's mainly because of the team he plays for. Question from FPL Apprentice. Is having too much points potential on the bench a help or a hindrance? Currently have Martinez, Watkins, Justin and Mitchell on the bench. So yeah, a lot of us have a very strong bench at the moment. We, we wish we'd have a we wish we could have a bench boost every week these days. But it does become a bit of a hindrance, especially in this example where they've got Watkins on the bench. I would never really want to have a striker at that price on my bench. I much favour having seven strong attackers, you know, whether it's five midfielders, two forwards, or four midfielders, three forwards, and then your eighth attacker should be probably around the five million price tag, you know, Southcheck, Lookman, these kind of players. Um otherwise it's just it's just frustrating more than anything else. Seeing, you know, good assets on your bench. I know a lot of people bench Bamford this week as well, if they had eight strong attackers, Bamford was the one they benched because he was out of form and the fixture wasn't great on paper either against Leicester. So by not having that player, it takes away the frustration and it allows you to have you know as much cash as possible in your starting eleven. So in this example, if I had Martinez, first of all, I would never have Martinez on the bench. If I owned Martinez, he'd be in my starting eleven every week, regardless of fixture. Top class goalkeeper, Villa very good defensively, and he's just a great FPL pick this season. Watkins, again, if I owned him, I would never have him on the bench. So in this scenario, I'm presuming there's a strong front eight. I would probably be looking to downgrade the eighth one. Just, you know, take away the frustration and have a little bit less cash on the bench. You know, Justin is absolutely fine as a first sub there. So yeah, it does become a bit of a hindrance. But again, the way this season's going, it's probably okay as well. Like I said, when there's no Kane, there's no De Bruyne, you know, we could probably can have a little bit of extra cash on the bench, but just be prepared for looking at lots of points on the bench. Final question for this week is from Mike. Do we start planning for the double game weeks now? Aston Villa and Everton players in, and when are you planning to use your wild card? So I think we, we do have to start thinking about the double game weeks. Um, make sure you're following at Ben Crellin on Twitter. He is the fixture guru. I had a look at it there just to get my head around it a bit as well. And first of all, I just look at the Premier League table to look at which teams have played more games than others. So most teams now have played 21 games. There is two teams who have only played 19. So that's two less than most of the others. That's Aston Villa and Everton. So it makes sense to have Aston Villa and Everton players for the coming weeks. There's quite a few teams who've played 20 games as well. So they've got one extra game they need to play. Those are Man City, Tottenham, Southampton, Leeds, Burnley and Fulham. Now when it comes to the schedule and what it's most likely going to look like, according to Ben Crellin, 
Manchester City are likely to have three double game weeks very soon. Game week 24, game week 26 and game week 27. So make sure you have triple Manchester City by the time game week 24 rolls around. Southampton and Everton could have a double game week in game week 24. So at the moment, priority is probably Man City, Southampton and Everton when it comes to double game weeks. Obviously, a lot of teams will, will have double game weeks in game week 26. So go and have a look at Ben's spreadsheet for that one. I'm not overly planning for it myself. I, I'm keeping in mind which teams have extra fixtures. I think that's one way to plan for it. Danny Ings will probably come in for me. Hopefully he'll have a double game week in 24. <laughs> Martinez, I want to get Martinez back in again with that double game week in mind as well. And I've already got my three silly players when am I planning to use my wildcard? I don't have a plan. I'm very happy with my squad at the moment. I think I'll probably be able to get through the next couple of weeks and probably the double game in 26 as well, just with free transfers and maybe maybe a hit or two when, when the actual double game week comes around. So without having a plan for it, my most likely wildcard will be later in the season, probably after, you know, probably around, I think we're going to have a blank game week in 29 which could be as little as two fixtures, you know, more likely to be three or four, possibly even five. So if I can get through that as well without the wild card, maybe I will. So it could be a case of setting myself up, let's say between double game week 26 and game week 29, maybe use my free transfers between then to have some kind of team for blank game week 29, even if it's only six or seven players, and then maybe wild card game week 30 to come out of that to set myself up for the final nine game weeks of the season. So at the moment, I'm leaning towards a wild card, probably game week 30 onwards. Hi, I'm James McNicholas, and I'm here to tell you about the latest series of Beyond the Headline, the making of Big Sam. If I did anything wrong, why did they pay me off? You see, Sam Allardyce seemingly can't quit English football, and English football can't quit him. But why? Why does football keep coming back to Sam Allardyce? To answer those questions and many more, you'll hear from former Hull City manager Phil Brown. He didn't mind having the crack, he didn't mind having the banter, but he would he would prove his way was the right way. Dundee United manager Mickey Mellon. I signed for Sam Allardyce, really. And of course, Father Joe Young, owner of Limerick FC, where the Big Sam story began. Now I said, Sam, this is the ultimate goal. Now I'll show you what we have. Then I brought him up and he said, Jesus, Father Joe, are you serious? I said, look, nothing is impossible to those who believe. You'll learn about his time in America at the Tampa Bay Rowdies, the way he revolutionised English football, and of course, the England debacle. You can hear it all now and ad-free via the Athletic app. Just search for Beyond the Headline now. Game week 22 captaincy now. Looking at the fixtures, I think after what he did last game week, I think Mohamed Salah will be by far and away the most popular captain this week. He will be my captain. I actually stuck the armband on him when the game reloaded on Saturday. So before he had his two goals against West Ham, I was already thinking about him for captaincy against Brighton. Uh, I remember mentioning a couple of weeks ago that it was okay to sell Salah because... If you weren't going to captain him often over that next six game week period. And the one game I mentioned where you probably would captain him is this one against Brighton. So obviously Manny has some kind of issue now as well. Remains to be seen whether he will be back for the week for, for the game midweek. So Salah, I think, will be the most popular captain. He will be my captain. Bruno Fernandes, 
he's at home to Southampton. I like him as well. It is five games without a goal for Bruno, but much like Salah, that won't last forever. Before long, we'll see him back on the score sheet. So I think Bruno will be my vice-captain. Looking elsewhere, Manchester City have a good fixture away to Burnley, but given what we've seen with Pep Roulette at the weekend, I think that's going to scare most people off captaincy there. It would certainly scare me off, the likes of Gundogan and Cancelo and those kind of guys. Tottenham play Chelsea, so I think that game will be avoided by most people as well. Seems to be pretty clear-cut this week. If you've got Salah, you captain him. If you don't have him, you might want to try and get him in and captain him. If not, I like Bruno Fernandes as well. Transfers for Game Week 22. My first thought is to bank, despite a bad game week. I don't want to knee-jerk or overreact to a bad game week. But there is a couple of things that I could end up doing which I think would improve my squad. There's obviously temptation to go straight back to Bamford from Calvert-Lewin. But as I mentioned, I'm going to stick to my plan of owning Calvert-Lewin for the two good fixtures. It's only half time in my eyes in those fixtures. So I'd probably end up going without Bamford for a couple of weeks now. Uh, But again, I'll reassess Bamford when the weekend rolls around. It could be a case of Bamford versus Ings and I'll decide which one is best. Um, for Gimme 23. Another option I already mentioned, maybe I could use this week to improve my goalkeeper because I think it's a, when you've got no other issues in your squad, it's a good week to fix the goalkeepers. I don't want to ignore my goalkeepers this week and then when it comes to the weekend, I've got other issues and I'll end up not getting a goalkeeper then and then I'll have the same bloody Ramsdale problem again of keeping bad goalkeepers for too long. So I think I'm leaning my most likely move this week rather than banking I think I'll change my goalkeeper. I think I'll get rid of Melier. I'll bring in Martinez. And I may start him over Johnston. Like I mentioned, Johnston plays Sheffield United. Martinez plays West Ham. So I've got Antonio. So that gives me pause. You know, if, if I expect Antonio to do well, should I start Martinez in goal? But again, there's probably a little bit of ownership coming into this. The Athletic. I don't think about ownership too often in FPL. I just see it every time. Every time Martinez does well, it really hurts my rank. Uh, it did so big time yesterday. So I think I'll start Martinez and Antonio. I'll bench Johnston because even though Johnston plays Sheffield United, I expect two points from Johnston every week. As Big Sam says himself, the way we're defending at the moment, we need to score three goals to win a game. So that's enough for me to stick Johnston on the bench. I'll play Martinez and hopefully it's uh, it's a win-win either way. You know, If Antonio doesn't score, hopefully Martinez gets the clean sheet and a few bonus. And if Martinez does lose the clean sheet, there's probably a good chance that it'll be Antonio involved anyway. So I don't mind facing those two off each other instead of playing Johnston. So I think that's what I will end up doing close to the deadline on Tuesday. Get rid of Meslier and bring in Martinez. And then Martinez will be set and forget for the rest of the season. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope you find it useful in some way. If you'd like to hear more podcasts from me before the deadline, check out patreon.com forward slash FPL general. There'll be two podcasts going up on Patreon today and the start of a new month is always the best time to sign up. Good luck to you all midweek. I'll be back with another episode on Thursday to preview Gimme 23. Talk to you then.